Welcome to Perfectly Imperfect, a podcast on mental health for folks of color. I'm your host, John Zell Anderson, licensed professional counselor. I'm the owner of Panoramic Counseling, where I specialize in treating teens and young adults in Richmond, Virginia, and throughout the Commonwealth of Virginia through online counseling. Let's get into the show. Before we get into the episode, I want to thank this episode's sponsor, Alitu. Podcasting is a lot of hard work, which is why I'm so glad that I found Alitu. Their user-friendly sound editing software has cut my editing time down to a third, leaving me the space to bring you more content. Shout out to Allegra, Judy, and the rest of their support staff who are always there to help me navigate the various challenges this podcast journey throws my way. To learn more about Alitu, go to the link in this episode's show notes to get started with a free seven-day trial. Using my link also helps to support this podcast. Hello, everyone. Yesterday, a friend of mine sent me a link to a really good documentary, and it was so moving. And in fact, it's only 35 minutes long, but it has such an impact on me that I couldn't help but share some of the insights that I gained with y'all. The documentary is called Racially Charged America's Misdemeanor Problem. And I'll include the link to the documentary in the show notes of this episode. But my discussion with you today is going to be broken down into three parts. So first, I'm going to provide some statistics that were given in the documentary, some background on the history of mass incarceration in the United States. I'll then talk about some of the long-term impacts specifically focused on mental health. And then I'm going to give some examples of how this has played out with people in recent years. So to start out from this documentary, I learned that 80% of arrests in the United States are misdemeanors. And misdemeanors are known as minor crimes. But unfortunately for marginalized people, these minor crimes often have very serious consequences including excessive prison terms and even murder. So one of the really disturbing statistics that I learned was that the prison system in the United States is a for-profit industry valued at $80 billion, and that several towns and municipalities rely on the revenues from this system in order to maintain their government budgets and payroll. The United States of America only has about 5% of the world's population. However, the United States accounts for 25% of the world's imprisoned population. And so this did not happen by mistake. Some of the the history behind this, and I've spoken about this in uh, previous episodes, but just a recap, following slavery and the passing of the 13th Amendment, the South in the United States, their economy was obviously greatly impacted by the loss of cheap black labor via slavery. So those industries in the South had to come up with a solution for their labor problem. And so they first started with finding loopholes in the 13th Amendment. The 13th Amendment says that slavery is outlawed 
But there's the caveat that unless somebody is convicted of a crime or imprisoned. So this is where the black codes or Jim Crow laws originated from. Think of them as a loophole to the 13th Amendment. And so the concept of misdemeanors or minor crimes were written into state laws. And this was the solution for labor because crimes of this nature created a pipeline putting black people into the prison system. And then, as we've learned from the post-traumatic slave syndrome series that I did, prisoners were then rented out. This system was known as convict leasing to corporations and plantations, often the same plantations that these people were liberated from bondage from. They are now back there working for free, and the governments are making a profit off of their labor through this new system. This is where the term chain gang comes from, because prisoners were rented out to these plantations to do labor. Of course, there's no sort of incentive to treat the people well because the labor is considered a commodity. If one person dies or is overworked, they just replace them with somebody else because the pipeline is supported by this black codes and Jim Crow laws that are going to continue to pipeline uh, black people into the system. And so one of the things that the documentary does that I found interesting was that it compares the shackles of the chain gangs to the modern day ankle bracelets that are given for a variety of offenses. So as a therapist, I've worked in some court-mandated programs where, for example, someone convicted of a DUI may need to wear a alcohol monitoring anklet, or um, they may need to have a breathalyzer installed on the ignition of their car, right? Well, the documentary shows a side-by-side comparison of the health impacts of simply being shackled to something. So whether it be on a chain gang where you have this iron thing attached around you at all times, people would get infections, gangrene, and with no medical treatment. And so sometimes they would, you know, get sick and die. And then a lot of these people were actually buried in the chains and shackles. And they showed how modern day people have to wear these ankle bracelets to monitor alcohol consumption and things like that as a condition of their alleged freedom. And oftentimes there will be, you know, skin irritations or they're put on too tight or something like that. And also if you tamper with it, you're subject to rearrest or uh, parole violations and things like that. So I thought that that was an interesting comparison between the shackles and the chains of the beginning of the system to modern day, quote, high tech um, versions of this. And so going back to the creation of misdemeanors and how this is like contributed to mass incarceration, these misdemeanors or these black codes or these 
minor charges were made to look race neutral, but they were almost exclusively enforced on black people both then and now. One statistic given was that black people are charged with these offenses at 10 times the rate of non-melanated people. So this is definitely an intentional system of black oppression. And a lot of nonsense charges were criminalized during the Jim Crow era. So this is where we get trespassing laws, right? And when, you know, these are minor crimes that people would be charged with and sentenced to months, years of imprisonment, uh, or when they couldn't pin a crime on somebody, the default crime was vagrancy. And so vagrancy is the criminalization of being unemployed. Now, if you know anything about Reconstruction in the Jim Crow era, unemployment was obviously incredibly high for Black people who have escaped bondage. And now they're making it illegal to be unemployed. So when in doubt, you'd be charged with a misdemeanor crime of vagrancy, which is being out and about unemployed, never mind the fact that the whole system is stacked against you on finding employment in these years. And that would be enough to put somebody back into this pipeline of forced labor. So continuing on, these things that occurred during this time obviously had long-term impacts. And part of that impact is mental health. So the misdemeanor system continues to impact mostly black people to this day. One quote that I took from the documentary is that misdemeanors give police an extraordinary amount of discretion, which means something can be escalated from a simple encounter to arrest and crime and etc., because of the way that the laws are written. And from a mental health standpoint, jail and prison, no matter the length of time that is spent there, results in a form of trauma to people who have had to endure it, because oftentimes the conditions are not humane. And one example that comes to mind is that though prisons are moving away from this practice, it's still used, and that is solitary confinement, which is putting someone in complete isolation for long periods of time. This has been shown to incredibly um, deteriorate someone's mental health and quality of life. So th there's trauma that comes from the criminal justice system. And so these laws that were made back in the Jim Crow era became a catalyst also for the murder of black people. We've seen several examples in recent years, and I'll give some of those in a minute. But one quote from the documentary said, ultimately, the real crime is that we're black. And another quote was that the most minor offense can result in death. And here are some examples. George Floyd was accused of using a counterfeit $20 bill, which would be considered a misdemeanor. He was immediately murdered by police during that encounter. Eric Garner was accused of stealing loose cigarettes, which is a misdemeanor. And he was murdered by the police before 
ever getting a, a chance to go to trial. Michael Brown, who had just graduated high school at the time, was accused of jaywalking, another nonsense misdemeanor. He was murdered by police at the scene. And also Philando Castile was accused of having a broken taillight, which, again, another nonsense misdemeanor. He was murdered by police uh, on the scene as well. After I was editing the original audio of this recording, there were several things that popped up in my mind that I forgot to mention. So I'm going to say them now to provide a little bit more context. So I talked about the misdemeanors and the the impact that it has on, you know, folks going to prison and having to face the traumas of being incarcerated. But I didn't mention that there are court and prison fees that those who are incarcerated are expected to pay. Going to prison is not free. People are being charged for the food that they eat, for the housing that it takes for them the the whole time that they're incarcerated, all of the court and legal fees and stuff like that, long after they are incarcerated. So um, not only are they experiencing the traumas of being in prison, they're blackballed from employment and housing opportunities, but they are continuing to have to pay these fees for their time that they were incarcerated, and that impacts a person's ability to create a quality of life for themselves after their overinflated debt to society has been paid. So it's a cyclical system. And one more note on the ankle monitors, these things aren't free either. So as a condition of someone being on monitoring as a condition of their so-called freedom, these devices cost monthly fees. And I remember this from when I did work with clients who had been convicted of DUIs and had to receive counseling services as part of their path to working to get their license back or to avoid further incarceration and stuff like that. Um, These things are very expensive, whether it be the alcohol monitors or the breathalyzer ignition things that I had mentioned earlier in the episode. And the problem with this, in addition to there being financial bondage, the the impacts of the trauma of being incarcerated, the ongoing fees and cost of these sorts of things really put people in a bind because not only are they less likely to find stable employment because of the misdemeanor charge, but they have to pay these fees every month as a condition of maintaining their freedom with these monitors. And that will sometimes put people in a position where they have to choose between paying their bills and getting groceries or paying the fees to maintain freedom. And so I I needed to hop back in and provide that context because I wanted to make sure that I, I gave a good effort at summarizing this content. So while I would like to have a takeaway lesson or feel good conclusion to this, I don't have one. 
but I will conclude this episode by recommending that you check out this documentary. And again, I'm going to include the link to the documentary in the show notes. It's free on YouTube. But thank you for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, you can support this podcast by buying me a coffee. The link is in this episode's show notes. Thanks in advance.